Guys, just before we start, are there any extra sheets lying around? A couple guys didn't get. Okay, and we want to, uh, we'd like to welcome back two illustrious alumni. Where's Sage sitting? Okay, guys, this is Sage Friedman. He went to Ben Fila and uh, then arrived for two years and is now in YU. And also probably has the most appropriate first name of any Yeshiva student you've ever had. Okay, so that works out well. Okay. And uh, is he Lanconia? Ah, and we have a Lancon who uh, also went for, came for a year and a half, right? Year and a half? Okay, and is now in Columbia JTS. And uh, his claim to fame is that his first college course he took, first college Talmud course, the subtitle should have been All the Gemara That Might Irritate a Feminist. That was the curriculum. Okay, so if you're curious about that course, you can go talk about it. Okay, but he has now moved on to bigger and better things after that course. Okay. So we are going to discuss today an important aspect of Shemitah that really differs from the rest of Shemitah. Because when we think, we all know, actually we should know that a Shemitah year is drawn to a close, right? This Rosh Hashanah will be the end of Shemitah. And we tend to think of Shemitah in primarily agricultural terms, which is true. That's the bulk of Shemitah. Shemitah is about not working the land and produce becoming hefker, becoming ownerless. But there is a monetary aspect of Shemitah that is not agricultural. And that is discussed in Sacred Varim. And that has to do with the uh, loans being canceled. Okay, so let's just see how that fits in. We have this other idea that doesn't seem agricultural. Right? It's not agricultural law, it seems like it's a purely monetary law, and yet it is a function of Shemitah. So let's deal with a couple of debates in the Psukim. Okay, by the way, I purposely, if you're curious, you might notice a pattern. I tend to put an Psukim on the source sheet, so this, so this way, like, it's not, it's less of a problem if the source sheet gets thrown out. So in case you have your curious, why I'll just say, like, Dvarim Tedvav, okay, this way I put non Psukim on the source sheet. Okay, so what does it say in Dvarim? So it says, when do you do this cancellation of debts? You do it miketz sheva shanim. And of course, the million dollar question is, what does miketz mean, and when does that happen? What is miketz sheva shanim? Just curious, guys, what's your gut reaction? What will be miketz sheva shanim? What, I'm sorry? Okay, but when in the seventh year? Ah, so Mati thinks it's the beginning of the seventh year. So ready, the question is, does, is miketz more likely sound like the beginning of the seventh year, or? The end of the seventh year. So I will tell you something very interesting, guys. It's not a topic now, but a good topic for much discussions. We all know that we have this distinction between pshat and drash, right? The simplest explanation and how Chazal take it. We're very used to that in the narrative sections of the Torah. But the question is, can you even work that way in the legal sections of the Torah? And you could see why some rabbis would say, oh, in narrative, it's very open to pshat and drash. But in legal sections, there I won't do that because because what happens obviously if you do in a legal section, you might have the pshat not in line with what halacha actually says, right? Have we made this point? Okay. So for example, if the Torah says if you knock at someone's eye, ayin tachat ayin. Okay. So very famously, of course, because I'll interpret it to mean monetary compensation. Are you willing to say no? The simple pshat would be an eye for an eye, but we follow the halach of Chazal, that is monetary compensation. But if that's true, that you'd still try to find some kind of meaning in the pshat. Not practical meaning, but some other meaning. So some of Farshim are even willing, in a legal section, to have this... Okay, just follow that way through your Chumash understanding. Some of Farshim will say, I only do that in narrative. 
And some will say, I'm even willing to do it in the legal sections. Okay. So let's look at what we have over here. The Ben Ezra was someone in the latter camp. Says the Nebuchadnezzar, Tami Ketzev Hashem Tasesh Mitah. When does he think this is? Betchilat Hashanah. The Ben Ezra's on Matthew's team. I bet he also liked uh, Martha and the Muffins, the one hit wonder. Okay. Did anybody else listen to that on my Chumash here? Okay. Uh, I, I knew you listened. The question, the question is, did anybody else listen? Okay. Okay, so in any case, um, the uh, he says at the beginning of the year, Kasher Perashti. Now, here's something very, very kind of humorous, actually. Well, only if you have like a weird rabbinic sense of humor. Okay, he thinks it's the beginning of the year. That's when the loans are canceled. Now, it's, I, I get it, it's probably clear from my introduction. What do we say halachically, actually? It's not. The loans are canceled at the end. You might have noticed those that are doing a cruise ball to make sure the loans are not canceled. What have people been saying? Do it now. Do it this week before Rosh Hashanah comes. But if the answer was right, what would be true? Right after us. We all missed the boat. Right? We all should have done it in the beginning of the year. Okay. So now he says, Baha aid. Now, when the evidence is an aid, he means I'm going to bring a witness to testify that I'm right. Hakel et am. So it's very interesting what he does here. He says, it's just like the seven year cycle of Hakel. Okay. Let's see. We'll see who has Jewishly knowledgeable here. What is the mitzvah of Hakel? Yeah. You know what's great about Hakel, guys? I, I'll give you a good rule in the world of trivia. People will often ask things like, what's the last mitzvah in the Torah? And that a lot of people know the answer. But always a tricky question is, what's the second to last mitzvah in the Torah? <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you this came up for me once. Okay, there's a family, very nice family named Brody who lives in our community. And uh, they, we once had him over for Shabbos lunch. And the kids were all like young boys, so I'm discussing baseball with them. So they say to me, Rabbi, who's your least favorite player? So it's not, not always such an easy thing to answer, but I think at the time I said Alex Rodriguez. And then they said to me, okay, who's your second least favorite player? They're thinking, I don't have a second least favorite. Like, how many of you guys have a second least favorite player? Okay, Caleb, do you have one? Two is number one and career is number two. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, in my life, I have never had a second least favorite player. Okay, but uh, in any case, what's the last mitzvah of the 613 the Torah? To write a Sefer Torah. Good. Very good, Quincy. What's the second to last mitzvah? Hakel. Okay, now what's the mitzvah of Hakel? Okay, so the king used to read from the Torah in a big ceremony in front of everybody. Elliot, can you see what's going on over there? What? Okay. Okay. And uh, by the way, there also there's a similar phrase. So the Ibn Ezra says, just like Hakel takes place in the beginning of the seventh year, so too Shemitah Ksafim. Okay, now what's the problem, guys? Because Chazal say that Hakel also takes place in the eighth year. Okay, so it is, it is kind of funny that he's saying, I have a killer proof that I'm right here, because that's what happens in Hakel also, just like Chazal differ with him about about Shemitah Ksafim, they also differ with him about Hakel. Okay, so it's not really such a great proof. But in any case, here, what I like to do often, like guys, is to try to show how technicalities matter, and they matter experientially. So you might say, oh, Rabbi, who cares? Beginning of seventh year, end of seventh year, it's all the same. But would it be experientially different if you do it before you had the whole year of agricultural stuff, or you do it after? So let's think a little bit about how that might play out and how I experience Shemitah Safim. Do you have a good that? Okay, so we have debate one. And we have this lurking question, does it somehow impact on Shemitah Ksavim if it precedes the agricultural denim or it follows the agricultural denim? Mark.
Okay, great. So let's go to another pasuk. Okay, this is also interesting. You guys know I'm always interested in Jew, non-Jew things. So the pasuk says, don't pressure your fellow Jew to pay back the debt. But then it says, et hanachri tigos. Who do you pressure? The non-Jew. Now, this per se should not be a moral conundrum. As I always point out, you know, there's nothing immoral about collecting debts that you're owed. Right? No one can say, oh, you Jews are immoral, you collect debts from non-Jews. Yeah, everybody collects debts. What's unusual is that we cancel the debts to Jews. So that is like a special act of brotherly uh, beneficence. But we do collect from non-Jews. But then there is a surprising Rashi. Look at Rashi here, guys. Etanukritigos. Zu mitzvat aseh. And that's a little bit surprising. What does it sound like Rashi's arguing? Not only that you can, but that you have to, you should. Now, I can understand why there's no reason why you cancel debts to non-Jews. But a little bit funny to say you can't cancel them. That seems a little bit funny. And indeed, not surprisingly, the Ibn Ezra says, Now, what, when someone says, uh, you got to love it when a commentator does it all in one word. Okay, we should make a competition. Who is the best at doing one-word commentary? Is it Rashi or Ibn Ezra? Who's the king of one-word commentary? What? That's true, but that might not be because of the one-word thing. There are other factors in this world. Okay. Wait, who here is really, really going to be concise? Pick somebody. I was going to pick that. I have a great new idea, Quincy. Quincy, you can write a whole parish on Chumash. Every pasuk, you just say one word. It would be amazing. I, I bet it would be a very popular parish. Okay. You know what? I think something great. If the title was Mila Achat, there'd be a tremendous irony that the title would be twice as long as any commentary. Okay, Quincy, I, I have a great idea for you. Okay, so in any case, what's what's Ibn Ezra getting at, guys, with his word Rishut? What's he getting at? What's a Rishut? You have an option, right? You have per, right, Rishut is permission, right? So Ibn Ezra seems much more reasonable here. It is no mitzvah to collect the debts of non-Jews, but you're not. Told to not collect. Mark. Okay, so the truth is that we'll see in a second. There might be a little bit of confusion here whether what whether Rashi really meant it. Okay, so let's go to the Ramban. You'll see what I mean. Let's go to the Ramban in seven. The Ramban guys is a great parish, but uh, I'll say this even if I have no idea it's true. I don't think he ever wrote just one word. Okay, that was not his. Uh, that was not his mo. Okay. Okay. Now, Quincy, you can't do a computer search for like looking for one word. You'll have to actually read every Ramban. Okay. So let's see what we got here in uh, the Ramban. Source 7. So one good thing to do, Rashi tends to not make up too many things. He usually gets it from rabbinic literature. Where's Rashi getting it from? Okay. Shanabet, you're ineligible for a second. And guess. What is the Sifri? Ooh, Jake. What kind of Midrash, though? What? That was good, Jake. You're right. Very good. Wait, do you know from high school? I think so. Wow, impressive. Wait, you went to Shalhevet? You where'd you go? Okay, so you guys can get an education there in Shalhevet. Very exciting. Okay, so people, when we use the word, this is good to know, guys. When we use the word Midrash, most of us think of Midrash Agada, right? Like Avram in the furnace. But there's a different set of literature called Midrash Halacha, which is also expounded on Sukkim, but for halachic purposes. Now, let's for one second, guys, just to be knowledgeable, Jew, you should just know the basic, these basic things. What's the most famous book of Midrash Agadah called? Agadah. Med- who said Medrash Rabbah? Uh, Ari Tartarka. Are you making a comeback now? Okay. 
Uh, well, well you, you, okay, well, say two things happened. First of all, you lost out on your number one Chabad status because Caleb puts on a bit of Tom Tom. Okay, so uh, you've been reduced to number two, I'm sorry. Okay, and we also discovered that you spent high school hanging out in the Beth Rifka kitchen <laughs> try, trying to flirt with the Chabad girls. Okay, so uh, actually, maybe, no, maybe, maybe that should move back to one, though. All right, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Caleb has never been in the Beth Rifka kitchen. All right, fine. You're number two, Caleb. Okay. Okay, so Ari's right. The famous uh, Midrash is called Midrash Rabbah. So you might say a lot of Midrashim you guys know. You, let's say it's on Breshit. Say, oh, this comes from Breshit Rabbah. Okay, just one last thing to know, guys, just to be a knowledgeable person. Midrash Rabbah is on two sets of five. So we have Midrash Rabbah on the five Chumashim. And now you guys can fill that. We also have Midrash Rabbah on the five Megillah. So here's the, what's going to separate the men from the boys. If you're on a bus and you're discussing Torah with the yeshiva guy next to you, and he says, I read a great Midrash in Esther Rabbah, you should say, that sounds great. I'd like to hear it. Because that makes sense. But if he says, I read, a, I read a great Midrash in Shmuel Rabbah, what do you say to him? Yes, you're ignoramus. There is no such thing as Shmuel Rabbah. Okay, guys, I got it. So the most famous Midrash Agadah is the five Kumashim and the five Megillot, and that is called Midrash Rabbah. Okay, I'm sorry? I reckon there's somebody that has written, uh, like, collected the midrash shot on different systems. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, now there's also, let's go back to the other genre. What do we say the other genre was? Midrash halacha. Okay, now this is, I admit it's less famous. Midrash is more well known with Yagadah. But just guys, just to be knowledgeable Jew, what is the midrash halacha on Shemot called? Mechilta. Mechilta, again, someone said Mechilta before, Mechilta is a midrash halacha. Okay, Mechilta on Shemot, on Vayikra it's called the Sifra, and on Bamidbar Dvarim it's called the Sifri. Okay, so we have Mechilta, Sifra, and Sifri. Last thing, guys, uh, Ari Berman, what is the name of the Midrash Halakha and Breshit? No, but think, think for a second, you're an intelligent fellow. Guys, what if I, what if I told you it was a trick question? There is no Medrash Halakha on Breshit. Okay, why is there no Medrash Halakha on Breshit? Because there's no Halakha on Breshit. There's a grand total of three mitzvot. Okay, I always make the same bad joke, but it's, I really stole it from a movie. Okay, why would they be, what would happen if they actually published Medrash Halakha on Breshit? It would be like Jewish sports heroes. It would be like that volume. Okay, it would be a very small pamphlet. Right, so at that point, right, there's no point to uh, having a safer. Okay, so there is no Medrash Halakha on, on Breshit. Okay? Great. So let's now go to the Sifri. So the Ramban is pointing out, Rashi didn't make this up. Apparently, what does Sifri say? So let's read. Ah, sorry, let's read even more closely. When is the mitzvah say? For your brother, meaning to... To not collect debts from your brother. So how do you read the pasta, guys? Hanachri tigos the loachicha. Now look at the, like, the key line, guys. Here comes the key line. The lav sheba michlal ase. What would that mean, guys? A lav sheba michlal ase. It's a negative prohibition that's coming from a positive formulation. I could say something positive, but what I'm really trying to say is. Okay, let's say we're deciding on Shabbos afternoon. Are we going to play Settlers or Ticket to Ride? 
And we've decided that Settlers is a far superior game. Okay, so I get up and get rush in the Mortal Titan, and I declare, I declare we are playing Settlers. Okay, but what was I really declaring? We are not playing Ticket to Ride, right? Even though I said we're playing Settlers, I was not trying to create a mitzvah of Settlers, I was actually trying to create a prohibition on Ticket to Ride. Okay, so says Ramban, you misunderstood the Sifri, those of you who think it's a real mitzvah. What did the Sifri mean? It was another way of saying, once again, collect pressure your non-Jewish neighbor, namely, don't do that to the Jew. So just realize, if he's right, even the Sifri slash Rashi, which says mitzvah say, doesn't really mean so that it's mitzvah say with the non-Jew. Okay, but Okay, no. Yeah. Does that mean that Rashi was saying that in the beginning, or was Rashi just like the Ramban is arguing? That so the truth wrong? is, it's an interesting question. Rashi, he, even though we, I, I was praising people being concise before, sometimes there is a little bit of a disadvantage <laughs> of being concise. Oh. I admit, I'm not sure what Rashi meant. But since Rashi's quoting the Sifri, if, if you read it, no, I'm not going to do it right now. But those who want to say it, you think if I interested, read the whole thing. Okay, the Ramban at the end argues that this is standard language for the Sifri. And therefore, therefore, it must mean what he says and not the alternative explanation. Okay, so the Sifri, I'll just give you one example, guys. The Sifri says, Kol of tahar tochlu mitzvah saseh. Eat kosher birds, that's mitzvah saseh. Clearly what's the Ramban going to argue? There's no mitzvah per se to... Eat kosher birds. That's another way of saying, don't eat traitors. So Ramban likes, would like to argue this is the standard style of this is free. Okay, we're good so far? Okay, great. So we've already addressed two issues. Just the issue of is it the beginning of the seven years, the end of the seven years? And we've addressed what is the status of this Vianandro where the consensus position would be there's no mitzvah to collect the debt from Vianandro, but no prohibition. But now we get to one interesting thing which might collect, connect all our issues. Okay, I said in the beginning of this year that we might wonder how this economic issue intersects with the agricultural issue. Okay, so look at the Bechor Shor. Bechor Shor is a wonderful parish on Chumash. He is unfortunately not in either the Mekot Gedolot or the Torah Chaim. But if you guys ever are looking for something interesting on the Parsha, check out the Bechor Shor. It's, in the, it's a separate volume in the back of the Beit Midrash. Okay, I'm sorry, in the Rav Gavriel's room. Look at the Bechor Shor, guys. He doesn't wear anything. I'm in source four. Source four. First page. Why could you pressure the non-Jew? Because the non-Jew, what's he doing all Shemitah? He's working. I mean, his field, the produce in the Shemitah year, should be no less than the produce any other year. It's not a different year for him. And therefore, Okay, really remarkable, Choshar. The first time I saw this, I said, well, I should have thought of that like 30 years ago. Okay, and therefore, what, what's true according, based on that? It's not a difficulty for him to pay. He has the same yield, the same profit margin he had any other year. Ah, of Alachicha, but your brother, Locharash Vizarabalokatsar, Bamei So isn't that fascinating? So the Bukharshar thinks that, now I actually think it doesn't work, but I really like the theory. Okay. I, I just want to point that out to you guys. Sometimes in learning, you have a theory you think is great, even if you don't think it works at the end of the day. He says they're related totally. What are we afraid of? This poor guy normally produces a amount of produce and gets a amount of profit. Since he didn't do that during Shemitah, he has less money. Since he has less money, it would be a favor for him at that point to release from debts. Everybody good to over, guys? So the Bechor Shor thinks that the two are inherently linked. Okay, not only inherently linked, they also explain the Jew non-Jew distinction, right? The Jew has less money at the end of the Shemitah year, so we release him from debts. 
The non-Jewish, the same amount of money he always had, so we don't listen to that. So I have two questions for you guys. See, this is very intriguing. See, you guys all agree, it's an intriguing Bukhar Does it connect to any of the issues we raised before? And can you think of a question on it? Okay, so does it connect to any issues raised before? You think of a question on it. Okay, Chaim Stanton. Made the blood of the lion in Eretz Yisrael and can't have Judge Schmidt. So then that would create a problem where it's not that he, he earned, he's in the same financial status. Because even a non-Jew would be a little much more. Because we can't find What him. about a non-Jew in Cincinnati? It's not specific. It's, it's not specific. It's, your force isn't specific to Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Jordan? You, what do you mean? You, you, we, don't we collect debts all the time? It's very nice to be nice to the poor, but if I lend money, I have the right to collect the debt. If I lend you money in year three of the cycle, why can't I collect it? That, that's exactly right. Jordan, you just said what the law is. Let us say it is year three of the Shemitah cycle. You, Jordan Kimia, have made a lot of money as a famous nephrologist. Right, so you lend money to your Jewish neighbor and your non-Jewish neighbor. Guess what? Good news for you, Jordan. You can collect both those debts. It's year three in the cycle. Right, Shemitah, why should Shemitah Ksafim apply to any other year? I mean, that's true even if you don't like the Bukhar Shari. That's just the halakhic facts. Okay, leave. Um, isn't there, isn't there, isn't the whole point is that you're supposed to sort of have to double Leave, maybe uh, maybe the Bukhar Shah is less metaphysical than you think. There's some Jews out there who are not so metaphysical. <laughs> Look, you have to figure out the Pesukim, like how much is there really a guarantee that you'll have a double portion every sixth year. There's a lot to be worked out there. I'm going to duck it for now. Okay, he seems to think that you actually might have more economic difficulty as a result of Shemitah. He's open to that possibility. Okay, I want to tell what you're saying. There is a Pesuk saying, kind of reassuring you that you'll make it even though... It's Shemitah. So you could take that Pasuk to say your economic situation will not deteriorate in the slightest. I think the Bukhar Shah would take it. No, it doesn't mean it won't deteriorate in the slightest. It just means you'll, make, you'll hang in there and make it through somehow. So at that point, I think the Bukhar Shah is perfectly fine. Okay, Yoni Saltzman, do you switch uh, shirts? That, that, that wasn't last week's, right? It's not last week's. You have multiple Hawaiian shirts. Oh my God, a man who comes prepared. Okay, yeah, Rafi. Say the other way around. Ah, so I was wondering that, guys. Uh, okay, this is a really interesting topic, which I'm not sure what the answer is. But if anyone ever have any insights, please email or WhatsApp me immediately. Which is when the Torah, I think you guys will find this fascinating. When the Torah talks about loans, is the default assumption that it's to a poor person or not necessarily? So can I give you an example, guys? In the modern economy, I don't think most of us, well, obviously, if you talk about like, you know, releasing college kids in debt, that might be different. But when we think about loans, isn't loans more like in terms of investors, right? I want to have a startup. How do I get my startup going? Well, some wealthy fellow invests money or lends me money. So I think in that context, we're not thinking about loans as something that is servicing the poor. But you could have another context where the essential loan is basically 
servicing the poor. So I was once at a very interesting shop I shared my neighborhood with. This debate exactly came up. Like when we say, and it touches on a lot of things, it touches on the Shemitah, it touches on the interest prohibition. Like are we assuming the recipient of a loan is poor in the Torah? Or are we not assuming that? So it's very tied to your question, right? So I'm not going to get it right now. I just think it's a very interesting broad question, and it might impact on this Bukhar Shah. Are we assuming that it's a poor person who's living alone, or are we not assuming it's a poor person? Yeah, Caleb. Um, Bukhar Shah is uh, saying here that we know that we chase after the non Jew because they're going to have more money. Yeah. Why, like, why would we then cancel all that entirely instead of just pushing it off a year to the year after when we come in? Uh, interesting. Well, maybe, maybe recovery isn't always so smooth. But the, it's an interesting question. Okay, one more, and then I'll say what I think might be difficult about the book. Actually, no, we'll do three more. All right, Ari. Um, so we can't pressure them to give back money in the... Is there a time aspect? I guess only Look, I, 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 I've been ignoring the question about when the loan becomes due. For the sake of argument, let's say the loan's due already. Due at the... Meaning, when Shemitah comes, I should have paid back a month ago, let's say. Okay, you're right, it's more complicated if the loan only comes due after Shemitah. Yeah, it really okay. seems like people can take advantage of this. Yes. In so fact, so we're going to see... Well, wait, I'm in there, guys. So Shemitah Ksafim is a beautiful idea, certainly for trying to help the poor. But you can see how over the course of history it could become tricky. And Ari's thing can be tricky because the borrower could take advantage. Obviously, what's the other way it could be tricky? What if lenders decided at some point that was a beautiful ideal, but... We don't have to keep every beautiful ideal in life. And therefore, from year five and a half on, I am never going to... Now, this is not a theoretical possibility. What do we know? This happened. And who dealt with it? That's why Hill made the principle. Right? So I think this is a good example, and I think it's true. Like, um, you know, people who like the idea of rabbinic innovations like to quote this all the time. But there is some truth to it, right? That sometimes you're trying to solve a Torah problem, and you need a little creativity to solve it. So Hillel knew that... Obviously, the point of the mitzvah wasn't that nobody would lend money. That's not helpful. And therefore, he said, I have to find a rabbinic mechanism to allow people to collect debts. And that's exactly where this kind of principle comes from. So you're right. It did ultimately become a practical problem, which Hill had to address. Okay, Chuck. What do you want to say, Chuck? You had your hand up before. Yeah, never mind. Okay, what happened? I, I misunderstood something. Okay. Jonah. Wait, is there like a new thing now that... Besides Hawaiian shirt, that's your Hawaiian shirt, does it work? Yeah. Okay. So my question is, okay. Ari's gonna ask. Okay. Let me raise. Wait. Wait. Let me raise two questions, guys. First of all, let's think about the Bukhar Shar could intersect with other stuff we've raised, guys. How does the Bukhar Shar intersect with the Ibn Ezra Chazal debate? Mark. Excellent. You all agree with that, guys? Bukhar Shar only works if Chazal are right. Right, according to Ibn Ezra, the guy has not suffered any loss yet when you're releasing the debt. Right, but if you're like Chazal, it makes sense. There's no point now again how things intersect. One other point, though. Okay, I'm curious if you guys think this is a knockout of the Bukhashar. Everybody turn the page, please, to source, source 8. Okay. Now, we know, this is good to know, guys, if you're ever interested in like, the totality of Mitzvah, the Sefer Achinoch is famously a book that lists the six of the Mitzvah. He does it by Parsha. Even though he works off the Rambam list, but he does it by Parsha. But for those of you who are like me, what you, what you really love about the Chino, I like the endeavor of Tami HaMitzvot. Okay, it's hard for me to do things so I don't feel there's a reason for. So he gives a reason for every mitzvah. Okay, so some you'll find more convincing, some less convincing. But if you're ever interested in that endeavor, Sefer Kino is your man. And he calls it, if you ever want to jump to it, he calls it the Shoresh of the mitzvah. 
So whenever you see Sefer Chinuch discussing the Shoresh of the Mitzvah, that's when he's giving a rationale for the Mitzvah. So look at the Chinuch here, guys. So the Chinuch says, this is not his rationale. We'll get to that if we have time, I hope. This is just him describe. He also describes the Mitzvah in very basic terms. No heget mitzvah This is a biblical mitzvah. Be'eretz Yisrael uvechom makom. Bizman she'ayovel no heg. Bizkarmu v'nekevot. V'krakatavti l'mala b'seder b'har Sinai. Be'ez nizman ayovel no heg. Avul nizman she'eni ayovel no heg. Ein shmitar kakot v'ksav no heg v'deraita. Avul midivrei no heget. No heget shmitar kakot v'ksav no heg v'deraita. Avul midivrei no heget. Shno heget shmitar kakot v'ksav no heg v'deraita. So guys, we learned two or three things here. Actually, we learned three things. I'm sorry, I read it quickly. Just I'm going to run out of time. Okay, first of all... Uh, where does Shemitah Ksavim exist? Is it in Eretz Yisrael or all over the world? Everywhere. Now, wait. The agricultural laws of Shemitah are only in Israel. So it turns out, if the Chinuch is right, which I think he is, Shemitah Ksavim and Shemitah Karka don't overlap so clearly. Right? Guys, what do you think? Could that shake up the Bukharshar also? Because yeah. right, in the Bukharshar's mind, Shemitah Ksavim, to some degree, is a function of Shemitah Karka. But the halachic details don't seem to play out that way. Right, Eve? That's why, Chaim Stanton, that's exactly why I went with Cincinnati and Liverpool before. It wasn't just some weird allusion to the Beatles. I was trying to make this point. Okay, that uh, Shemitah Ksafim exists even in a world where there is no Shemitah Karka. So that could shake up the Bechoshar a little bit. Okay, secondly, guys, how stringent... Oh, secondly, which genders does it apply to? Everyone. So just realize... Sometimes people get confused. They just kind of this default position that doesn't apply to women. No, your default position in Judaism should be it does apply to women. <laughs> Which means if you, if a woman is owed money and she wants to collect her debt, she should also make a principle. Okay, principle is not like a mitzvah say she's man grama just for men. Okay, it would apply to women as well. Thirdly, what's the status of shemitah in contemporary terms according to him? It's moved from deraita to derabanan. We're going to see a bunch of leniencies in Prusbal, and we can already see where the leniencies are coming from. We've already taken a din that was very, very strict, was on a deraita level, and saying that in contemporary terms, it, whether you're in Israel or in Chutzler, it is now only the Rabbanon. Okay, leave. Um, so can you say this also, that the woman can also shake something to the before she were, because like, traditionally, you know, women over, women are land uh, okay. That's fine. That's fine. I, I just think the the chutzlarts is a stronger critique because they're just they're clear. Okay. Yeah. Mark. No, but if I don't make a if I don't make a principle, it still applies. Ah, but yeah, but what if you're an idealistic fellow? And this is, but there are five people who have done it, right? We lend money, and maybe maybe we feel the person we lend money to is struggling a little bit, and we kind of choose to forgo it. We, we, so, so, okay, except for one thing. Okay, that was very interesting, Mark. Okay, we have, the guys, it's worth coming to share, guys, just to get the tangents today. Okay, the Rambam famously lists eight levels of stucca. Okay, who has learned this in high school? The eight levels of stucca in the Rambam. Okay, everyone should do it at some point. Okay, very interesting question. What is the highest form of stucca, second highest form, etc.? So, something very interesting. And, oh, let me just read this. So, I like the community. Let me just read this. There's this book I didn't find interesting at all, but I like the finish. Oh, here, one finish. We'll give him credit. Oh, this guy. Right here. Okay, so somebody named Thomas First has written a book. Okay, I, didn't, I have to admit, I didn't love it. But he had one really interesting point. The second 
That's not true. We had three extra points, but I'll tell you what. Okay, the, the second level of staka is to give anonymously, meaning, and maybe it's even anonymous in both directions. You don't know who the recipient is, and the recipient is who you are, because then there's no embarrassment whatsoever. Okay, but there's a higher level than that. What's the higher level? It's not staka. Yeah? Exactly. You give him an interest-free loan, and then he's able to get his business off the ground, and he escapes from poverty. Now, why is it the highest level of suck, of course? Because it totally maintains his dignity. Right? Instead of, I'm living off a handout, he has a sense that, no, no, I'm a creative person. I had a good idea. I just needed some startup money, and once I got that money, I'm okay. So, ever got that? So, the ROM seems to think very good. How do you know that, Ethan? Uh, cool. Right? What do you in high school in? Okay, excellent. Good moment. A good moment. A good day for community high schools. Shall have it in chat. Okay, so you guys all messed up by going to those from high schools. Okay, so uh, excellent. So what happens there in... Okay, so what's number one? An interest-free loan to get your business off the ground. But here things get really interesting, guys. And I never thought this before. So Thomas first says, in that level, the Rambam does not mention the factor of anonymity. Because couldn't someone have argued, what would be the highest, highest level? An anonymous interest-free loan. Is that interesting? I have this very interesting idea I never thought of before. And what does he want to claim? This is a great claim. He says, you know what? Because the interest-free loan maintains your dignity. Yeah, very good. Noah Burma, you could have had the same finish. Very good. Okay, I'm going to praise you in one second, Noah. Okay, Noah has the right finish. Therefore, anonymity doesn't matter. And that's exactly the point. Right? When you get charity, it's embarrassing. You don't want to live on show-off charity. So then all of a sudden, anonymity is a major value. But if someone's just helping your business get off the ground, that's not embarrassing, right? And therefore, he says, it's not even a higher level. So I just, it was a very interesting inference I had never heard of before. So guys, I'm going to give No Burma a double praise today. Okay, A, he just had a great finish to explain the Rambam. B, one thing I'd like to praise the right to guys for, there is a bad trait that some men have, that they're threatened if a woman is more talented than them. It's very silly. But there are some men who have that trait. Okay, you guys, you should all overcome that. It's okay if your wife is better than you at various things. And I would now single out two guys who don't have that problem. Okay, Noah Burbam started a WhatsApp group. Okay, there is a female student there who probably is smarter than him, but he doesn't care. Okay, it's okay. So what if she'll get better shot in the Rosh Bomb? Okay, why is that a problem? Okay, so that's very impressive. Well done, Noah. And the Kevin Nelson deserves credit too, because his girlfriend is infinitely better than him at playing soccer. It's not even close. Okay, but yeah, he's standing here looking comfortable to himself, even though she's much better at soccer. Way to go, guys. Here's the, here's the section. This is the sec Here we have the section of, if you are a secure man, you can sit here. The secure man section. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Okay, next. Now, what happens with the principal? So, we're, I, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to everything on this sheet. Some of you might want to look through more stuff on your own. Everyone, we'll go halakha for a second. Everyone, please go to the last page. We'll get down to some of the bottom line halakha. Because I want to at least, you know, normally in Shirkali, the goal is not to be practical halakha, but I just want to explain to everybody, if you want to do a principle, how to do it and what the issues are. Okay, so what did the Shulchan Aruch say at the end here? Okay. Oh, well, let me just take a point to get there. Some of you might say, right, well, this is a really interesting share, but I did not lend anybody money. Okay, so it might be true that for some of you, this is not a relevant question. I will just point out, you might have to look into two other things also, though. Like how we define what a debt is or what a loan is. For example, when you give money to the bank, and the bank uses that money and eventually you get it back, right? Is there a loan quality to that? Now, you could say, no, Rabbi, that's an investment, but not a loan. But at least it's worth questioning. But what happens every time I give money to the bank? Now, again, if it's in Israel, it's a bigger issue because you're giving it to a Jewish bank. 
Okay, what about if you're an employee, right, and your boss owes you salary money, right? Is that a loan or is salary somehow a different endeavor? Now, I admit, you could come to the conclusion in all those cases that you don't need a personal, that these are not the kind of debts that Shemitah cancels. But I'm just raising the possibility in your mind, you might not think you're involved in the world of debts, but maybe if you expand the notion of what a debt is, Maybe you are. Okay, so that would be my first question. Do we really have debts in people in this room, or do we not really have any debts that we would require a principal? Okay, now we're going to go to a second question. Okay, look at source 15. So we said it's only biblical when there's Yovel, and we don't have Yovel anymore. But now we keep it rabbinically. Remember, that's what we saw in the Chinuch. So if that would be true, we'd still have to deal with it. Right? Shemitah Ksafim is still in place. Albeit, not at the right level, but on a Drabana level. Ah, let's keep going, though. Something fascinating comes up here. Haga, keinu haskamat haposkim. Avol yeish omrim. What do some people say? Te'en Shemitah noaget bezmana zeh. What's the third position here, guys? Now he's not the right to... It's not even the Rabbanon. Like, given our contemporary scenario, we just don't have to keep the laws of Shemitah Ksafim anymore. They just don't exist. The Nira, now here comes some fascinating Jewish history, guys. Okay, and uh, does anybody know Rabbi Shlomo Brody, who used to run the Tikva program? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you know him from Tikva? Yeah. So he just published a really interesting article about this topic. If anyone wants, I'll forward it to you. Okay, and he said, we'll see what he says. Venira Shalem Samchu Bimdinot Elu. That's what they, how's Samchu being used here, guys? Not to be close to, but to? What's the other meaning? If you say, I am so mechan, what are you saying? I'm re- who said that? Very good. Who was that? Who said relying? Okay, guys, Boaz Khan has become the Hebrew expert. Who else says that? And Harrison. Harrison, again, once again, by the way, it's all because of going to Perlman Elementary School. It's Perlman pro- or Perlstein, what is it? Pressman. Okay, sorry, Pressman. Okay, see, so guys, as I've said, you guys all blew it. You should have gone to some community day school. You speak, you speak Hebrew. Okay, so now... So we rely on them in these medinot. So yes, this is just interesting halakhic history. Probably, I don't know if anyone's knew this before. Basically, for hundreds of years in the Middle Ages, almost no Jews did a prison. Okay, you can look, many rabbis talk about it. Look at a rabbinic writing in the 1500s, 1600s. And clearly, what were they assuming, these rabbis? Shemitah Ksafim does not apply at any level, and therefore... We don't have to do it at all, okay? And in Rabbi Brody's article, he traces, A, why that would be, and he also traces how Shemitah Ksafa made a comeback in modernity. So it's very interesting, like, hey, guys, this is why you have to learn a little bit, be a learned person. Since we do principle today, we start to think, oh, obviously we've been in principle for the last 2,000 years, okay? But if you actually look at the halakhic history, there was a whole bunch of centuries we didn't do principle. We kind of assume Shemitah Ksafa does not exist. And then it got revived... So in Rabbi Bodhi's article, guys, he does two things. He explains why we didn't keep it all those years and what factors might have led to its revival. So I just think it's a very, very interesting article. Anybody wants to PM me and I will forward it to you. So just one quick thing, guys. You now can see why, maybe in your careers, not every religious community has been so zealous about the principle. Because now you guys can give two arguments, right? What would be one argument? Maybe I'm not the kind of person who has any debts that matter, right? There's no Jew right now who owes me money, and therefore it's simply not relevant. Two, even if I do have debts, what about that position that Shemitah Ksafim is just not practiced today? Right, so that would be, if you want to know why we're not so stringent about it, 
That would be why to not be stringent. I'll just mention one thing. If you don't know why to do it, so I would say, I'll give you, I like to be balanced. I just give you two arguments why not to do it, and I'll give you two arguments why to do it. Okay, you might say, A, what if I have debts that do count? Again, for me, it might be even more pronounced. Right, what about all my money in Israeli banks, right? Is that money that I lent to the bank, I lent to Jews, and Shemitah might come and cancel it. Okay, so maybe we do have. Two is much less halakhic and much more educational. Okay, remember what the Chinook used the phrase, Kedesh so that it shouldn't be forgotten? So it could very well be that we should write principles not because we really need to, but it's a way of educating us like this was an important part of Jewish history. We should know about Shemitah Ksafim, we should know about Hill's Takana. So by writing a principle, we're reminded of that every year, okay? So again, at the end of this year, I'll tell you what to do if you want to fill out a principle. But now you can see what the arguments for and against would be. Okay, comments or questions? Yeah. So I may be a little confused, but in terms of why they didn't do it for hundreds of years. Well, I didn't explain the reasons. I didn't get into it. Well, let me suggest, doesn't, then I get, I guess if it would be a link with, with the land, then that would make sense that we would have it now when we're back in Israel. You might be right, but I would say I think that might have happened more. That's very clever, actually. More psychologically than halachically. Does everyone understand what I just said, to Ari? Ari has a very reasonable suggestion because I'm here. I'm asking, oh, where's leave? Leave this view. We're not asking a halacha question. We're asking a Jewish sociology question. This view of Reb David, who think that Jewish sociology is more important than halacha, right? They're going to write a. They are writing a. Uh, sequel to Rev Salvitia called Sociological Man. Okay, it's a very exciting book. We're looking forward to it. Okay, but I think, uh, I think he's onto something. Because what's the claim? Even if I think... Zizi, you doing okay there? See, that, that was a good joke. You could smile, Zizi. It's okay. 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 Uh, even if I think there's no halakhic linkage between Shemitah Karka and Shemitah Ksafim, right against the Bechashar, wouldn't you all agree there'll be a psychological linkage? Meaning, if I'm living in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm not thinking about Shemitah Karka, so I'm also not thinking so much about Shemitah Ksafim. If I come back to Israel and I have an orchard in Tveria, I am thinking about Shemitah Karka. Perhaps I will naturally start thinking also about Shemitah Ksafim. Again, guys, that's not a halakhic argument. It's more an experiential sociological argument. But actually, it's a very good argument. Yeah, Quincy, what do you want to say? Yeah, I was going to say this. Uh, some of the things yeah, I, I, I admit, I ignore that. I ignore the oval yeah, part. So my question but, but notice, we still don't keep Yovo, so that, that hasn't changed. Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, number one, that's why, number two, I, is the function of why you're going to return? Okay, I just don't get the Yovo, especially now it's almost 12 o'clock. Mati! <laughs> Okay, so okay, so there's something very interesting, guys, which I'm not going to get into right now, but just to, for those of you who like business should think about it. Okay, in theory, the banks are a problem. Forget Shemitah. The problem is that, you know, I give in $200 and take out $250. What about the interest prohibition? So there's something famous called the Heter Iska. What does it do? It redefines my loan as an investment. So loaning with interest is a problem, but investing money is not a problem. Okay, so how that would intersect with the Shemitah question is a great question, but I'm going to be for now. Yeah. Does that apply to you with the 401k? Uh, let's, I'm going to leave aside business questions. Uh, a, because they're complicated, and B, because I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven years should be tested to some because you know that someone's a fat, right? 
I mean, you want to claim that I could go with the Bechoshim. You, you want to claim the Bechoshim. The Bechoshim and the Ibn Ezra are compatible. That's your place you trying to argue. The, the Bechosh, we thought the Bechoshim and the Ibn Ezra are not compatible. You think they're compatible. Okay, I don't want to debate it right now, but it's fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest challenge is that Shemitah Ksafim is in Chutzlaris. I thought that was the biggest challenge. There is no Shemitah Karka in Chutzlaris. Meaning the, the, the farmer, the Jewish farmer in Wisconsin has the same profit margin he has any other year. Okay? Everyone good with that? Okay, last thing, guys, and we'll close with this. Okay? And I'll just tell you practically what, if you want, what you want to do. Okay? Uh, what I, another thing I like in life, guys, is that there's clashes of values, and sometimes people like to get everything right. And they say, I'll take the exact safe choice. But guess what, guys? There's no such thing as... The exact safe choice. He's a good rule for life. In fact, if you read Jonathan Haidt, he has a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. And one of his arguments is that c- contemporary parents want to make everything as safe as possible. Right? Even a 16-year-old is not allowed to ride on the subway by themselves. And they argue, they, and they, these parents argue, what do I have to lose? Right? Let's say I'm being too cautious. Who cares? But guess what? In every choice, you have something to lose. Because maybe you're raising a child who doesn't know how to function independently. Right, so there's no such thing as a good rule for life, guys. Even if you didn't get anything else out of today's year, there's no such thing as the 100% safe choice in life. Okay, that is a good thing to take away. Okay, so in any case, we're now going to do a halachic example of that. Okay, so look at Yudchet and Chafal. Okay, let's say we decide we want to do a prusbal. How should we do it? Here we go, guys. Prusbal eno mishame, the eno nichtav, ela bebeitin chashuv. Ah, here we go. What does the Yosef Cairo think? Where should a principal be administered? Not just debating, but an important one. Not just three guys who haven't had rabbi before their name. Three illustrious rabbis. Okay, now if you skip to the Ramah on the end of the second line, he says, V'yeshomrim. Or maybe it's not the Ramah. V'yeshomrim to Kofin principal b'chol beitin. Okay, what's the other position? Why should we be so stringent? Any three rabbis will do. Any three people, okay? So we have debate one. Should we have an illustrious Beitin or any Beitin? Let's go to Chafal now. There's another version of the principle. Now notice, you're not going to a court here. You're going to witnesses. The Omer, what do you say? Have be witnesses. The Chazu and see the Ana Masarna Prusbal Kumi And I am going to give this principle over to witnesses. And guess what? According to this position, the judges need not even be in the room. You're really doing it vis-a-vis witnesses, not vis-a-vis judges. Okay, guys, ready for the values clash? Okay, here we go. Now things are going to get fun. What? Let's say I want to be... Oh, uh, now I'm really happy. I was in a good mood ready. I'm, now I'm going to end in a great mood. Let's see if you guys get this. Uh, guys, wit, based on all the positions we just saw, what would be the machmir thing to do? What do you think? Again, we saw debate one. Let's say there are two debates. Do I need an illustrious Baton or any Baton? Debate two, do I need the Baton present or can I do it with Adam? So guys, if I want to be as machmir as possible. Okay, so you say illustrious Baton with the Dayanim there. Okay, you guys all agree with that? Okay, now I'm gonna make life complicated. What if there are no illustrious Dayanim in my geographical area? What should I do now? What do you guys say? Okay, so, it, ah, here we go. Very good, Mark. If I go with Aiden, what's the disadvantage? 
I'm choosing to say I could do this even though there's no dianim here. Maybe it would be optimal to have dianim. Ah, but if you get this, you're really good. What's the advantage of using Adam? Don't forget, the Adam said, I'm going to give it over to a Beitim. What if the Beitim, the Adam are going to give it over to, is an illustrious Beitim? <laughs> right, so now, this is my good example where there's no such thing as the best position. Right, because if you go in front of a Beitim, that's advantage of it actually is a Beitim there. If you go with Adam, you could even get in the illustrious Beitim, right? Because you could refer to a Beitim that's, you know, across the country, it doesn't matter. That's just who you refer to. Okay, guys, so it's a good word for life. Just like there's no safe choice in parenting, there's no safe choice in Jewish and halakhic observance. Life is complicated. Okay, last two comments, then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. And just to clarify, how come the Adim can go there, but you, you wouldn't be able to? No, because the, the Adim don't have to do it this second. I mean, they are testifying your willingness to... Okay, yeah. Could you help me back and say, if my Adim were my Adim, no, again, I, choose, I, cheated, I cheated a little bit because in a scenario where you have a lustrous stadium across the street, you could actually be machmer. So, but, but, I, but I could still create a lot of scenarios where there is no easy chumr. Okay? All right, guys. Yeah, it's Chaim Stead, the last comment. Does it need to be, could it just be like in the Well, that depends on two questions. Do you need a Beit and Chashiv or not? And did the three of us constitute a Beit and Chashiv? In order to become as a Beit and Chashiv, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't process like, like kids. Okay, fine. I'm Stanton. We're not a victim question. How's that? Okay, last thing, guys. So I sent out a link. If anyone would like to do Prisbo, either just if you might need to or for educational reasons. So it's using the ADA method. Like you're appointing someone who's going to bring it to Baton for you. Just fill out your first name, your last name. It asks here for your two dots, a hood, which you guys don't have unless you're Israeli. So just fill out either your passport number or your social security number. Does anybody would like to do a principal? You have the link on the Yeshiva what, group chat. All right, everybody have a great job.